Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E, your 30th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And today we are diving back into the world of professional wrestling one of my favorite events of the year in any form in professional wrestling is the royal rumble the royal rumble has just happened this past saturday and as always it has little surprises it has build it has anticipation and it is the start to the road to wrestlemania so we're going to be going over it a little bit talking a little bit about the royal rumble matches in general and just my consensus of the royal rumble now, for anybody who may not be familiar with the Royal Rumble or, you know, non-wrestling fans or anything like that, the Royal Rumble started in 1988. It was the um, match from the mind of the great uh, Pat Patterson, whose idea for having a battle royal where not everybody just starts in the ring. Let's have them enter in intervals, and it has become one of the biggest events for the WWE um, all year. It's one of the big four. It's the one that kicks off the road to WrestleMania, and it attracts people from all over the world. It attracts big news coverage. It's, it's been held in stadiums here recently. I mean, it's just a big deal in the world of pro wrestling because it's always an exciting match. The concept of the match is there are 30 participants in the match. You have two people start off who drew one and two. Every 60 seconds, 90 seconds, it's kind of arbitrary. Uh, they give you a time, but if you actually follow it, they never actually kind of follow it. But their numbers are supposed to be drawn at random, air quotes, random. And after that 60, 90 seconds, a new person enters. The only way to uh, be eliminated from the match is to be thrown over the top rope with both feet touching the floor. Now, that has been a, a big contingence over the years of the Royal Rumble. Um... It started in 1988. The first winner was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who at that time just won some money. Now, if you win the Royal Rumble match, you have your pick of which world title you want to uh, wrestle for in the main event of WrestleMania, which is the biggest event they hold that year. You can go for the world title, the WWE world title, or you can go for the universal title. It's your pick at this point. Now there are actually two Rumble matches when there used to be be one. It used to just be a men's Rumble where you had 30 men competing for the slot. Um, The past few years they have been doing a women's Royal Rumble match as women's wrestling has actually come to prominence and grown in in popularity and just been asked for. And because the roster can now bolster it, they are having uh, 30 women compete for this same title where you get to pick between the SmackDown Women or the Raw Women's Championship this year was a little bit of a hassle for it. We'll get into that in a bit. This Royal Rumble season, the, the the Royal Rumble is one of the big events simply because it's always full of intrigue. People don't know what's going to happen. Um, a lot of the years, especially in the past probably 20, there's a big problem with being a predictable. Back in the day, you really didn't know who was going to win the Rumble. You had two or three people that you thought were going to win the Rumble or could win the Rumble, but this was a place kind of to make star, new stars, uh, bring stars up, the stories that were already established, they could make them even bigger by giving them that rub of winning the Rumble. That's basically Vince and the WWE staff saying, we trust you to be the one to carry this company going into WrestleMania, our biggest event. We think you could be the next guy. Here's your chance. Um, 
and it's always had that intrigue of having legends return. Sometimes they've had celebrities in the matches. They've had returns from people who were injured, uh, debuts, and so on. So it's always brought a lot of people in, a lot of speculation, rumors. Um, this year, the rumors mill was amped up, as we'll get into here in a bit. But let's just start off with the opening of this pay-per-view. The opening of this pay-per-view was the Universal Championship match, which kind of weird to start off the pay-per-view with one of the big main titles. However, this plays later on into the story, and it's to... Uh, competitors who have really come into their own as you have the head of the table, the tribal chief, the defending uh, universal champion, Roman Reigns, taking on Seth freaking Rollins. Now, I'm going to say this right off the bat. I don't like the name Seth freaking Rollins. His name is Seth Rollins. The freaking part just adds to it is kind of cheesy to me. Seth Rollins has been playing a character that in his, in his defense when you're watching him in interviews, um, and talking on a documentary or being himself, he's not this character. And usually the best character of them amped up and just turned the knob up to 12. And uh, he's coming to it. He's embraced this character of him being the the architect and him being, he, he, has, he dresses kind of funky. He has weird dance moves. He kind of, I, I don't really know how to properly um, say his character without you actually seeing his character. Roman Reigns has just become a Samoan badass. He's the one that's in charge of the family. He's the head of the table, the one making the money. He's the big dog. He's Roman Reigns. They've loved him for years. He's been the, the number one guy in the company, and they have actually made him that by turning him heel like people wanted, and he is coming to this character, and it has become a, a the biggest drawer they have. It's a huge... Uh, money getter, needle mover, as he says himself, and these two knew each other from the Shield. They've known each other for years, competed in NXT together, so they're friends. So they were going to put on a good match. As Roman Reigns comes out, he's waiting for Seth Rollins. We hear the iconic music of the Shield when you hear the Sierra Hotel Indian Echo Lima Delta Shield, and it plays the Shield music. Roman's looking around, and Seth Rollins comes out in full Shield gear through the crowd like they used to, basically playing mind games with Roman. This match told a, a good story. They hit spots from when they were in the Shield, you know, power bombs and just little nuances of matches and moments within the Shield's history. They play these two, have great chemistry. They always had. They put on a fantastic match. In the end, uh, Roman Reigns locks on his guillotine finisher, and even though Seth has reached the ropes, the referee counts to five and disqualifies Roman as Roman refuses to let go. And then Roman, after losing the match, snaps. He grabs a steel chair. And in a homage to when Seth turned on the shield by hitting Roman in the back with a chair and Roman falling on the ropes, he hits Seth in the back. Seth falls on the ropes in the same way. And then he just decimates Seth Rollins with this chair to a rain of booze. Roman's looking around. It's like he's kind of in a trance. This was great storytelling, furthering this. I knew they would have a good match. I really didn't expect much because we've seen this a million times. They told a new story. They told a great story, and it just added to the legacy of this, and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Moving on, next we had the Women's Royal Rumble match. Going back to what I said earlier, 30 women competing in this match. WWE, as you've heard on an earlier podcast of mine, has been releasing people left and right for the past two years. So much so to the point that they didn't feel they had 30 women that they could put in the Rumble. They do have 30 women on the roster, but I guess they didn't think it was a big enough star. So they were reaching out to legends and past stars and so on. Um, I mean, just to name a few, Lita 
was in this match, and Lita did a fantastic job. She was actually one of the final four in this. Michelle McCool came back, and I always liked Michelle McCool because she was somebody who didn't start off great but learned the craft and actually became a fantastic wrestler, in my opinion. We had the returning Mickey James, who kicked the Forbidden Door wide open. The Forbidden Door has become a, a kind of overused term in pro wrestling to where uh, someone from a company goes into work for another company, and not like they're jumping shit, but they're still under contract, and it's a working relationship. I don't know what the deal was here. The way they treated Mickey before kind of, I thought, would leave a bad taste in her mouth. Money talks, I guess, and there's no telling what else they offered, but the fact that she was called the Impact Women's Champion, she came to the ring with the Impact Women's uh, or Knockouts Championship around her waist, which was a big deal, and I popped hard for, and she came out to her Impact Music um, which is Hardcore Country, which is a a song that she has helped put together, and she's been using it when she was on the indies and in Impact Wrestling. It was great to see that. It was a great rub for Impact Wrestling, and Mickey, unlike a lot of people, you know, I, I thought that like they're going to eliminate her quickly. They never actually mentioned her being the Impact Champion, which kind of got to me. She lasted for a while. The only thing that's, that stuck me is after she got eliminated, um... Corey Graves or whoever's in his ear for commentary told him to say, looks like she didn't make much of an impact. It was a little dig, a little knock. I don't know what it was meant for, but my hat's off to duty for at least allowing that. They've usually never worked with uh, other companies. This is the time they did. She was a legend, so they, I guess that was part of it. But acknowledging her with her banner on, you know, where her name is saying Impact Women's Champion, although this should have said the Knockouts Champion, her wearing the belt to the ring, her coming out to her Impact Music, it was a big deal, and my hat's off to them for allowing that. Um, we had some other returns, which I really think they wasted because they had other women on the roster they could have put in. Zia Lee could have been in this match. Um, they could have put in uh, Io Shirai from NXT. Could have been in this match. They could have called up some people from you know NXT. They could have got Kyrie Sane, Asuka. I don't know how Bailey's doing. Maybe Bailey could have returned here, or maybe Alexa Bliss could have returned. But instead, there's a few I want to talk about that that annoyed me. And it's nothing against them personally. It's just I, I've never liked their character. One was the first one that came, which was um, Kelly Kelly. Kelly Kelly uh, never grew in the business. She was young. She was very attractive. She still is. Vince always has a thing for young, hot blondes. That's that's just how he is. That's what he likes. And he brought her back. The crowd isn't really popped for her. She hasn't learned anything else new. She's a terrible worker. Always has been a terrible worker. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people might be like, well, that's rude, mean to say. No, it's not. She's a bad worker. She was botching stuff. She was Timing was terrible. And I know she doesn't wrestle, but she wasn't good when she was a full-time wrestler. She hasn't learned anything. Luckily, she was eliminated quickly. The next one was Cameron. Cameron, which is a friend of Naomi. They busted in as the Funkadactyls when they came in together with Brodus Clay. Um, Cameron came just to play cannon fodder for the Sonya Deville and Naomi storyline where Sonya jumped in the ring, threw Cameron out basically, you know, to piss Naomi off. And that's how it was. Luckily, she was quick and you didn't. we didn't have to deal with that much either. So she was gone also. We had Summer Rae return. Summer Rae's a beautiful girl, too, and she did get a little bit better, but Summer Rae never embraced the business, I think, the way she could have or, or really should have. 
Um, and maybe she she was a stepping stone. I don't know. Her being called a legend kind of annoys me. Luckily, she wasn't in it long either. We'd have to deal with that. And then we also had Alicia Fox. These four women, there's nothing against them personally. They're just not good in the ring. I think they took up spots that could have been used for bigger or better uh, workers to make the storylines move along. Uh, we had the match open up with Sasha and the returning Melina. Melina, I guess, with another forbidden door as she's recently worked for NWA and Impact. I don't really know what her contractual status is. She was eliminated very quickly by Sasha Banks. So, you know, she didn't really have any kind of standout moments as far as being in the Rumble. I think it was just mainly to give her that chance. Um, you did have some standouts. Sasha did a very good job. Bianca Belair looks amazing and did amazing. Rhea Ripley was awesome. We had Molly Holly return and get eliminated by Nikki A.S.H. And I really hope we get a match between those two at Mania. I doubt we'll get that, but with them having these superhero characters, I think it would be a great um, clash of, you know, just, just a great little fun thing for not only the kids, but the fact that both of these women can work. We also had the returning Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey came out to a massive, massive pop in this match. And the moment Ronda entered, you knew where this was going. You knew Ronda was winning. Um, Charlotte entered as the SmackDown Women's Champion, which didn't make a lot of sense. I know they just had to fill the roster spot. And it was her basically calling her shot. But having a champion in the match and the title not being on the line like it has every other time a champion's been in the match is just strange. Charlotte, of course, did an amazing job, as she always does. Um, listening to the you know reactions of the fans and everything, you had the pops, you had your favorites. I believe Liv Morgan was probably her, Lita were probably the favorites that people would love to have seen win. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Liv got eliminated, uh, Lita got eliminated, and Sasha went out, and Sasha's always got her rabid fan base. It comes down to Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. We had this match teased. This was originally going to be a WrestleMania match until it kind of shifted to Ronda was going to fight, wrestle Becky because Becky had caught on like wildfire. When it comes down to this, we all know Ronda's winning. Ronda just having her baby, returning. She's, you know, the huge baby face here. People are cheering her. They square off. Charlotte runs at her. Ronda dumps her out. That's it. So they tease that matchup but didn't really give us that match of them actually wrestling. I think they're saving that for Mania. Personally, my opinion, I want Ronda and Becky. Back when we were supposed to get this, when Becky was at the height of her popularity, or you know, growing to the height of her popularity, when she got her nose broken and couldn't wrestle her at a Survivor Series, we were teased that match. They talked shit to each other, and it would have been a fantastic match. It could still be a fantastic match. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Ronda Rousey going to WrestleMania as your... Uh, challenger for whatever belt she wants, which is probably going to end up being Charlotte and the SmackDown Women's title because Fox wants Ronda Rousey on Fox, which as much as they're paying WWE, WWE is going to kind of cater to that. The interesting thing about this is when Ronda points at the sign, because whenever you win the Rumble now, it's customary to point at the sign, Ronda Rousey's pyro went off and it set the WrestleMania sign on fire. So much so that this Mania sign was on fire, it had to be lowered, extinguished, and they had to clear out a section of the uh, stadium they were in. They had to clear out an entire section of people until they got the fire under control. So the next match suffered in that bit because we didn't get to see, because it was, it was um, people were distracted looking at them bringing the Mania sign down as it was on fire. We had, next up was Becky versus Dewdrop. Dewdrop, who is formerly known as Piper Nivens, and... This match was a great match. Becky's a fantastic worker. Piper Nivens, 
is, that's what I'm going to call her, Dewdrop, whatever. She's a, she is one of the best workers that was in the Europe circuit and on the indie circuit. Um, if you haven't seen her work, she's a bigger girl who moves fantastically and she's a great worker. She, her and Becky style match so well here. They had to put on a fantastic match. And I know a lot of people hate on uh, Dewdrop or Piper Nevins. They hate on her. They say she can't work or and stuff like this. It's not that. They hate on her because she is a bigger girl. That is the main reason people hate her. That's the, I don't understand why. She's a fantastic worker. She has great chemistry with the majority of the women she's had matches with. This match was probably one of the best worked matches of the night. It was fantastic. And um, if you're going to watch, you know, a match at Royal Rumble, this might be the one to watch because they just they had good chemistry. Becky, of course, goes over Dewdrop here as she retains her title as we head into WrestleMania season. If we're going with Ronda and Charlotte. I fully intend we'll probably get Becky and Liv Morgan at Mania to give Liv Morgan her uh, WrestleMania moment if we don't have uh, Charlotte or Becky versus Alexa Bliss when she returns to Raw. It depends on how they want to go with that, who they think is the bigger store, and who they think can carry the women's division for you know the respective brand that they are on. Next up, we had uh, the Miz and Mrs. Maurice taking on the team of the uh, Edge and his wife Beth Phoenix this was billed as the It Couple versus the Grit Couple the It Couple because you know the Miz and Mrs. and Maurice have their show on USA Miz and Mrs. they're called the It Couple because they're supposed to be celebrities and then we have the Grit Couple which was Edge and Beth Phoenix who just because they're supposed to be grit they're down to earth they're just you know hardcore wrestlers and this is what it is everybody in this match can work Maurice is not the best she was the weak, weak link but she could be carried to a good match by Beth, who's a fantastic worker. Beth is in her homage to Luna Vachon with the mohawk-type hair, the painting on her face that looks like the veins around her eyes. I called that homage, and I'm glad I wasn't the only one that seen it. This match worked pretty well. They told a good story of the women having to fight against the women, the men and the men. You know, you got a few moments of where the women would hit, would have touched the men as Beth Phoenix has puts her hands and, you know, Basically, forearm shots the Miz and so on. I thought that they were going to have Miz and Maurice cheat to win here to kind of further this. I thought maybe this would go into Mania, and it might still. But Beth and Edge pull out the victory here in front of this capacity crowd. This is the first time Edge has been competing in this, you know, in in front of this many fans since his return at the Rumble. Um, in the beginning of 2020, before the world shut down, so maybe they gave him that moment for that reason. Great match. They Everybody did their part to work well. Edge is still a fantastic performer. Beth is great. And The Miz, love him or hate him, he does the perfect WWE style. He's the foil to a many a baby face, and he plays his part well, and I have nothing but respect for The Miz going into this match. Um, next up, we had Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Now, let me tell you this. I got this match, match is confused as Brock and Bobby went on before Miz and uh, Ms. Maurice and Edge and Beth went on. I got it confused because I was I was just excited to talk about Brock and them. Because Brock and Bobby Lashley is a match that not only I have been wanting to see, but a lot of people have been wanting to see since Brock Lesnar broke on the scene and since Bobby Lashley broke onto the scene. Brock left when Bobby Lashley was coming on. They were always compared to each other. They were going to try to make Bobby the next Brock. 
They both had similar builds. They both had similar paths as far as amateur wrestling. They even had similar paths after after wrestling when they left the WWE and went on. Uh, Brock went on to fight in the UFC, become the heavyweight champion there. Bobby went on to fight for Strike Force and Bellator, amassing a 15 and 2 record. You know they they've both they've been in the same uh, businesses and they never cross paths. And it was always what happens if these two monsters meet. We've been teased it for years. We thought it was going to happen at Mania. It didn't. Here we get it. Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE uh, world title. You know, the the, immovable, the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. I was so excited for this match. I, I was seriously very pumped for this match when it happened. I was hyped up. I felt like I was there. Bobby Lashley looks intense. Brock looks intense. It looks like they're... You know, ready to go. The only thing I kind of wish Bobby would have went with MMA shorts too to make it look like he was there for a fight. But Bobby's jacked up. Brock's always jacked. They get in the ring, and when they and they lock up, and it's a test of strength. Brock reverses German suplex. Bobby gets right up. Test, they go back in for a lock up. Bobby German suplexes Brock, which never happens. Him doing that was basically whatever you can do, I can do, and I can do it better. This match told a great story right off the bat. You knew this match wasn't going to be a five-star class. It was going to be two big Brahma Bull, just button heads, and that's what we wanted. Um, we go, you know, to the outside. Bobby goes for a spear on Brock. Brock moves. Bobby goes through the guardrail. Brock's saying, I'm smart. We get in the ring, and Brock starts doing what Brock does, and that's German suplex after German suplex after German suplex. I think it was seven ended up being the total. I know people get tired of it, but this was basically, I think this worked here because he had to try to beat Bobby Lashley down. Bobby Lashley, after taking all those German suplexes, gets up and puts Brock in the Hurt Lock, which the Hurt Lock is a full Nelson, and he's got him, and Brock's fading. Brock can't break it. Brock can't get to the ropes. It made Bobby look strong. Like, he took all this, and he was still about to put Brock out. Then we get the ref bump, and I'm like, oh, Lord. Then Brock... Brock goes for an F5. F5's Bobby, ref bump. Ref's knocked out of the ring. Brock covers Bobby, nothing. He stands up, and then we have Roman Reigns come in, and boom, he hits Brock. Knocks Brock down, which I knew this was going to happen, but for some reason I thought maybe we can actually get a finish here. Maybe we wasn't going to go this route yet because I thought they might have other plans for Mania. Unfortunately, we, we didn't. He goes over. He looks at Heyman. Heyman looks like he's scared, like, oh, my God. Roman Reigns sticks out his hand, and Paul Heyman hands him the WWE title. Roman Reigns clocks Brock Lesnar with it. Bobby pins Lesnar. Bobby Lashley is your new WWE champion, and Paul Heyman leaves with Roman Reigns. Here's the problem with this. The match was doing great up until that point. The screwy finish kind of took the match away from me. I wanted a clean finish, but I mean, I, I, I kind of know I knew how they had to do this, and this story plays in later on. The problem I have with this is the moment that this happened, right then and there, me and a bunch of other people knew exactly what was fixing to happen in the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar was fixing to win it. It was exactly then that I knew who was going to win it. I had my picks. I thought AJ could win it. I thought it was going to be either AJ Styles or Big E. That was my two picks. The moment Brock Lesnar lost that match, I knew for a fact Brock Lesnar was going to win the Royal Rumble. I called it right then and there. And next up, we had the men's Rumble match. Now, 
going into the men's Royal Rumble match, because of the Mickey James forbidden door angle, because of the surprises that WWE usually pulls in the Rumble and the people that return, there have been rumors floating. There was a rumor a f- month ago or so that AEW was in talks for a working partnership with WWE. Now, that was probably for documentary stuff for the network and so on. Having some of their wrestlers come on, maybe do a Broken Skull challenge or Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold like Jericho did. That's more likely what it was. I don't think it had anything to do with wrestling. Tony Khan said he'd be open to wrestling if that's what they wanted. But Vince is very hesitant about that, especially a company with that much money on a big network like that that can, he doesn't want to give the rub to them. But it had led to a lot of speculation. A lot of speculation of John Moxley coming in and being in, uh, the former Dean Ambrose. Why? Because they have showed a lot of the stuff with the Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. You see a lot of Dean Ambrose or Johnny Moxley in those, uh, you know, clips of of course he was part of the shield you're going to get him in there the fact that Seth and so many other people kept saying the word John Moxley they kept saying Mox every time Seth would talk he wouldn't call him Ambrose he would call him Mox it fueled speculation of Moxley being in the Royal Rumble match Cody Rhodes is right now working without a contract air quotes for AEW now he is a VP of that company he might not have a talents contract that might be legit but it's not like he isn't working for AEW. But it did not matter. It led to rumors of Cody Rhodes being in the Royal Rumble. There were rumors of MJF being in the Royal Rumble. There were rumors of Sam Punk being in the Royal Rumble. Brian Danielson. Impact stars like um, the Impact Champion Moose. Or um, William Morrissey, which is the former Cass, was rumored to be in it. Sammy Callahan. There's a lot of different people that were rumored from other companies. So much so that there was so much hype around this about who's going to be the forbidden door entrance into the Royal Rumble this year. I think a lot of people watched expecting something big. And we didn't get those surprises. They pretty much blew their wad on the women's and the returns and the, I guess you can shock returns there. The only two surprise entrances you had in the Rumble this year weren't surprises if you had what list you know, looked at anything online. That was Bad Bunny returning to be in the Royal Rumble. The megastar Bad Bunny, which I've still never heard his music. And, you know, no disrespect to him. It's just, I guess he's just not my type. He's not on my radar there. But he's a massive star. Big rub, big wrestling fan. He returned after a fantastic match at WrestleMania last year to be in the Rumble and survived a little bit in it. We also had Shane McMahon return. We're going into WrestleMania. I don't know what they're going to do with Shane, but this, this is pretty much where it starts. Now, this match started off with AJ Styles coming out and looking fantastic, doing his Shawn Michaels poses, so much so that you would think that maybe he's going to run the gauntlet. Then we have, and number two was Nakamura. So we're starting off with two very strong competitors who have history, who can work, and for the few, you know, the first few minutes that they're going at it, they can put on a match and carry it and make it exciting. The rest of this Rumble match was kind of boring, to be honest. Johnny Knoxville came out, he was in it, and that was just a further thing with uh, Sami Zayn. We're probably going to end up having a match with Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn at Mania or something to do with them at Mania. I don't know how it goes, but basically Knoxville is there because he has a new movie coming out. You know, the Jackass uh, 4 movie is coming out, and it's basically promotion for that, and Vince loves promotion. 
But other than that, I mean, there there was really no surprises. Everybody that was a part of the Rumble was in the Rumble. We didn't get to, I didn't get to see Cesaro in it. I don't know why Cesaro wasn't in it. We got to see, you know, the, the average. They were going to try to do a spot with Kofi. Kofi every year is the one, you know, when he goes to get eliminated, he saves himself. His foot doesn't touch the ground. He'll have one foot touch or no foot touches as he hides the guardrail. He's walked on his hands from the guardrail to the fit to the up to the stairs and up them to get back in the ring. He's tightrope the guardrail and jumped to the apron. He's jumped to the announce table, got on a chair, bounced his way over, and got in. You know, he's one of the ones that's like, how's he gonna save himself? Well, Kofi comes in at 24. And Kofi immediately pretty much gets thrown out. He was supposed to grab the guardrail with only one foot or no foot hitting the ground, climb up, and do something spectacular to get back in the ring. They had spots planned for him. The problem was both his feet hit the ground. The camera watched him, didn't shoot the right angle, so you saw both feet hit the ground. I said, I was like, his feet hit the ground, both of them. And then they showed the replay. Now, the reason they showed that replay is because it had already been caught, and instead of just playing it off, I guess because they're worried about people with cameras, phones, and stuff finding it and complaining about it, they just went on with it. So it kind of, I think, screwed up a lot of stuff they had planned. It wasn't going to be an outcome. Kofi wasn't going to win, but Kofi got eliminated early. Apparently, there were spots with him and Big E, his partner, that was supposed to happen that didn't happen because of all this. AJ going out got booed. You know, um, Big E going out got booed. There was really nothing shocking about this match. The only thing shocking was the fact that. Bad Bunny was one of the last ones in the Rumble. He was, you know, I think one of the final four. Randy Orton comes out at 29. He's the hometown hero in St. Louis. He gets a massive pop. Number 30, people think it's going to be Finn Balor. or who. Here comes Brock Lesnar. I called it. Brock Lesnar comes out. I thought Brock was going to attack somebody. I thought it was going to be like R-Truth and Brock was going to beat the shit out of him and then take his spot. You know, they've done that before. Kind of thought that's how it was. But Brock apparently just pulled double duty. He gets in and he just starts eliminating people. He F5's Bad Bunny who takes it, you know, pretty well. Um, and Brock ends up throwing out Randy Orton to win the Royal Rumble match. The interesting thing about this is RK Bro, Randy Orton's partner, Matt Riddle, was in the match and he had a massive RKO off the back of Otis. As he jumped off the back of Otis, he RKO's when it looked really cool. And then with Brock coming in, Matt Riddle has kind of talked smack about Brock in the past. They both have MMA experience. And he said he wanted to retire Brock at, you know, WrestleMania. I thought, and like when Brock comes out, Matt Riddle kind of gets this grin on his face. And I'm like, we might actually see, you know, Riddle try something here to try to make a name. We didn't get none of that. Brock wins, points at the sign. Apparently they set the sign on fire again. You know, this was the end of the night, but apparently it's whatever pyro they were using for that sign for WrestleMania, it just it went up in flames again. It ends the night. Brock Lesnar is your uh, Royal Rumble winner for the men, Ronda Rousey for the women. So I guess WWE did open the forbidden door. It just was the forbidden door open to the UFC, if that makes sense, because it seemed like both UFC fighters were the ones that ended up winning the Rumble. The, the card overall wasn't bad. Bobby and Brock, I loved the match up until the ending. The ending moved story along, but I didn't like not having a clean finish. Neither one of your main world titles had a clean finish. Overall, it wasn't bad. The women's World Rumble match had its moments and had some, you know, had the returns. And again, Mickey James with the Impact Women's Ch- title 
was just cool to see as she comes out with it. The men's Royal Rumble match was actually, it, it just it was kind of boring. We didn't get any shock. I didn't get any surprises, no legends. And I know people say, you know, well, everybody complains about them using legends. But during the Rumble, you expect some surprises, something different, some different stuff, just because it's a cool moment. We didn't get any of that. We got Bad Bunny and Shane McMahon. That, that's, that was it. So the pay-per-view kind of lacked this year. It wasn't fantastic like it usually is. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. I, there have been worse rumbles out there, but this isn't, you know, this isn't what I want. I always get hyped for the rumble, and it was it was sort of a letdown, I guess, in terms of what was happening. You know, I, you get caught up in the who's going to be there. I knew all the AEW talk wasn't going to happen. I thought we might get a, you know, Forbidden Door, an Impact entrance, a former star like, you know, uh, Big Cas or something like that from Impact. That would have been cool to see, even if it was Christian or something from AEW would have been cool to see. But, you know, we didn't get any of that. The match wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. wasn't the worst Rumble. It definitely was nowhere near the best Rumble. Overall, it was just kind of a mid-grade C, C-plus pay-per-view. You know, it's probably the best pay-per-view they've done this year, even though they've only had two. So, take that what you will. But, you know, that was the World Rumble for the WWE. That's the World Rumble for this year. It's, we're on the road to WrestleMania. We've got Elimination Chamber coming up in Saudi Arabia. And then we're heading into, you know, the home stretch for WrestleMania. So we'll just see what the build is. We'll see where the matches go. We'll see who, what stories they build up, who picks what titles, and how it goes. We know Brock's going to go after Roman because that's going to further the story. Uh, Ronda's probably going after Charlotte because that's with the tease at the Rumble. I hope we get Ronda versus Becky, but we'll see how that goes. We'll just have to see how Mania plays out after that and where everything goes. We're on the road there, and it's coming out soon. And WrestleMania, again, I get hyped for. The problem is, every time WWE intrigues me with something, it seems like I'm getting let down. And it gets to the point now to where I'm thinking, maybe the WWE product just isn't for me anymore. I've been a WWE fan, you know, since I was since I remember what wrestling was. I've always watched it, and it's getting to the point where... If I miss an episode, I don't feel like I'm missing anything, really. And, it, you know, maybe it's just not for me. Um, there's so much wrestling out there from AEW and Impact and MLW, even indies like GCW and uh, Black Label Pro and Revolver and uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's so much different stuff out there for wrestling fans that maybe WWE just isn't what I'm into anymore. You know, there's everything seems to be offered different stuff for me. WWE just, it seems like I get disappointed with them more times than I get excited by what they do. Every now and then they pull something out, I get really excited, but I just think it's overproduced. I think the writers don't really know what they're doing as far as being wrestling fans or caring about what wrestling fans like. And I think that hurts the product overall with fans like me who have been there forever. Uh, All the... Every star they build, they have a problem with trying to build new stars. The Rumble's a chance for you to build a new star. You know, you could have had a, somebody win the Rumble, and it could have been a launching point to having you a new star. They don't go with that route anymore. It's like they're scared to pull the trigger on anybody. Their music sound the same. Their promos all sound the same. They use the same vernacular, the same verbiage, and it just everybody's cut and paste, carbon copy. Not many people have uh, their own identity or their own style when it comes to wrestling or their promo abilities because everything is so micromanaged and so overproduced. It's just little problems within the WWE like that. But, again, maybe it's not for me. You know, I know it's geared towards kids more than uh, people my age. 
I still do it because I guess I think at this point, honestly, it's just come down to being. It's kind of a part of me. Like I've I've done it for so long, it's kind of a habit. But you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, they can turn that. They can write that ship and turn it around because I get more. I I get more frustrated with the WWE. It seems like every pay per view, it's just it, it doesn't. It, it, nothing's clicking with me. We'll just see how it goes and see if they can turn it around. But anyway, that was my talk about the Rumble and and one of my favorite pay-per-views that wasn't really that big of a deal this year. It didn't turn out. It didn't it didn't blow my skirt up as the saying would go. But you know, it wasn't the worst. So we'll just have to leave it at that. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for liking uh, and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. You know, I'm on Twitter at Nerdpool Pod. I'm starting to tweet more again. I'm on Instagram at Nerdpool Podcast. Follow me there. Um, I'm on Twitch at Nerdpool Gaming. You guys are amazing. Thank you all again for the love and the support. And until next time, that's Nerdpool. See ya.